The first reactions are in from an early screening of The Flash. I'm breaking them all down as well as the new trailer right now. This video is brought to you by Babbel. Go to babbel.com slash Dan for up to 55% off your subscription and stay tuned after the video for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with a recap of the first couple of days of CinemaCon, which is going on right now in Las Vegas. If you don't know what CinemaCon is, it's basically a convention thrown by and for theater owners. It's an organization called NATO, a different NATO, much different from the one over in Europe. And it's essentially an opportunity for the studios to all get together and present their upcoming slate to these theater owners. There's also a lot of members of the press that are there. And it's a way to sort of build hype for the upcoming year, for the summer movies, for movies beyond this summer, to get theater owners excited. And the biggest news to come out of CinemaCon so far came yesterday when Warner Brothers did their presentation and included not only a new trailer for The Flash, but also a full screening of the movie minus apparently the end credits and perhaps any end credit scenes there might have been for the people that are in attendance. So we're going to go over that second trailer and I am going to be recapping some of those early first reactions to the flash that came in. So if you want to go in cold and you don't want to hear about any of that stuff, you can check down there. There are some time codes. I also talk about other things that were talked about at CinemaCon. So let's look first of all at the second trailer that came out for the flash, presumably the final trailer since we're only a few weeks out from the movie coming out. And for me, there wasn't a whole lot new new in this trailer. We got a bit more of a look at Michael Keaton's Batman, and it appears that he's rocking quite a Batmane at some point in the film. This is either, I think, Bruce Wayne just kind of letting it grow, just go with the old man hippie vibe, or we could be getting some of that Bruce Wayne in disguise stuff that Batman the Animated Series in particular did really well. And if this movie is doing that with Batman, then I am 100% there for it. If they're doing the thing where Michael Keaton just grew a luxurious head of white hair, uh, you know, that's fine. But I much prefer the Batman in disguise thing because that's the whole detecting thing about being Batman the world's greatest detective hey buddy you looking for a job maybe what kind of job Generally, I liked the trailer, but I will say, as a guy who loves Batman 89, it is a little concerning, kind of paradoxically for me, that in both of the trailers so far, they featured Michael Keaton just saying, basically, to camera, famous lines from 1989's Batman. The first trailer, it was, I'm Batman. This trailer, it was, You wanna get nuts? Let's get nuts. I hope that that's not a recurring theme with this Batman, that they didn't just hire Michael Keaton to come out and just speak all of the lines from 1989's Batman. Now you wanna get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Because I think that reincorporating an older character can be so much more meaningful if you have a deeper purpose to it than those sort of surface level references. It would be sort of like if they had put Tobey Maguire in the trailers for Spider-Man No Way Home, if in the first trailer you have a clip of Tom Holland saying like, who are you? And you have Tobey Maguire in the trailer saying like, who am I? You sure you want to know? It puts me on my heels a little bit. It makes me worry that some of this is going to be empty nostalgia. But at the same time, I like this action that we're seeing. We saw a little bit more Batman action in this trailer, as well as a little bit more of Michael Keaton. And I love Michael Keaton's Batman, and it looks really cool. So this is just something that I'm noting based on first impressions. I'm not going to carry that bias into the movie with me. We also got a little bit more of Zod and this alt timeline attack on Metropolis. And what looks like a big showdown between our heroes, two different 
Barry's Batman and Supergirl. That shot of Batman on his knees does make me wonder if Michael Shannon is going to be breaking out the old Neil before Zod classic. Neil before Zod! We also get a little more of what looks like Ben Affleck's only scene in the movie. And actually, we really just kind of got a little bit more of what we've already seen. A little bit more of this action sequence here or kind of a, a repeated series of shots with one extra shot there. And it kind of makes me wonder or it makes me think that there are significant parts of this movie that they're holding back, which I am 100% okay with. I'm all for trailers holding stuff back. I don't want to see the whole movie before it's even released. It's still a great looking film, and I think that there's a lot of room for emotional depth in the story. You have Barry and his mom and all the beats that are familiar from the Flashpoint storyline, and I think that there's a lot that you can get into there. And really, I'm still very much looking forward to this movie. I mean, honestly, the Batman element is the biggest draw for me, just because I love Michael Keaton's Batman that much. But I think there's a lot of story possibilities, and it does look really cool. And I think that's okay to say about a superhero film. It looks cool. It looks Looks like the action sequences are going to be cool, and I want to see what they do riffing inside of the DC Universe. So the movie was screened almost in full for the people that were attending CinemaCon last night, and we got our first batch of social media reactions, and a lot of these reactions are from what I would consider colleagues of mine, people that I know, people that I'm in associations with, and so I know that these are people that are very devoted to movies and very excited about film. I will say that they are mostly exceedingly positive reactions reactions, which in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. Top Gun Maverick, for example, screened at CinemaCon, and it had exceedingly positive reactions, and it also was received very well when it came out. Ghostbusters Afterlife screened at CinemaCon. It had very positive early social media reactions, and it was positively received when it came out. There have been other movies that screened at CinemaCon that also came out with early advanced buzz that was positive. Movies like The Fate of the Furious, which people generally liked, but it wasn't one of the best movies in the franchise, or even Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which definitely was not one of the more popular entries in the franchise, but that came out of CinemaCon with advanced buzz. Although I will note that the buzz in those movies wasn't nearly as positive as what we're seeing with The Flash. There are some, though, that are so extra. I mean, saying that this is one of the best superhero films of all time, the best DC movie in decades. Like, this is some really serious stuff that people are throwing out there. And just sort of a small PSA, which is that, yes, these are very, very exciting first reactions, but keep in mind that this is also one specific audience in one specific setting. CinemaCon is a convention, but it's also there, as I mentioned, to sort of hype up the theatrical slate, and there is this excitement in the air in that sort of environment. I would liken it to a movie premiere. A lot of times when people go to these premieres, the social media traffic is very positive right after because you're with a very engaged and excited audience. You're the first people to see it, and so there is something environmental about that, and I'm not saying that anybody's being disingenuous about their opinions. I think that most people probably were legitimately excited by this movie, and there's very little bad out there. Even the detractors to the film are mixed reactions instead of altogether positive ones. But the main point I'm making is it is so easy to see these huge positive reactions and sort of stake your claim on that, and I would just caution to not set your expectations entirely based on this one thing because we've seen it before where the early reactions to something are exceedingly positive and even if the movie comes out and it's just considered to be good you may be setting yourself up for disappointment if you allow that to be your bar to clear i honestly hope that this movie is as good as everybody says it is because that means that we are getting genuinely 
one of the best superhero films of all time, one of the best DC films of all time, a great solo film for The Flash, a great return for Michael Keaton's Batman. These are all things that would make me very happy, and I will definitely be there in my seat as soon as I am humanly able to see this movie and decide for myself. As always, I think it's great to take in this early feedback, and then when the movie comes out, if you're somebody that takes in a lot of feedback, see what the feedback is from those critics as well, or those people that are seeing the movie, your friends, whoever you trust, and then go see the movie and make up your own mind. So I think that Warner Brothers is getting what it wants. It's getting good buzz on this movie. They just had a huge flop with Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and there is word on the street. I know certainly people that are checking the box office that are saying like, well, The Flash is going to flop too. I've never really thought that it's going to, but this is what Warner Brothers wants, and I think that they knew that this movie would probably play well. They want that early buzz. It has now been achieved. I did think it was a little interesting, and I hate to bring up a sore subject. I'm not saying that every review has to be about the real-life issues with Ezra Miller off-screen, but the most that I saw referenced in the coverage of these reactions that I was reading were maybe a few hand-wavy references to like, oh, you know, well, Ezra Miller's certainly had some troubles off-camera, but they're great in this film. And I I mean, that just kind of hits me wrong. I'm not saying that the discussion of this movie has to be entirely about Ezra Miller, but it does kind of feel like that they were in a movie that people liked, and so people are just like, well, you know, what? just um we're just kind of kind of shove that over there in the corner and i don't necessarily think that's fair it's a it's a difficult balancing act because there is a separation of the art from the artist and so not everything about this film has to be about what ezra miller's been doing off camera but at the same time there have been a lot of reports about a lot of different things, and I just think it's interesting that there's been little to no talk about it, or even just the idea of, hey, listen, I'm conflicted about this, or hey, listen, I acknowledge this, but I'm going to be looking at this from an artistic standpoint and not from a real-world standpoint. I just hope that people don't kind of want to shove it under the rug and forget about it, because I think it is something that bears discussion. I know that my own thoughts about the movie, I'm going to have to be doing a little bit of separating here, because there is still enough pending out there. I know that there's been talk that Ezra Miller is seeking uh, treatment for, you know, what they describe as some crises that they were going through. And I'm rooting for Ezra Miller to come out on the other side of this. Whatever consequences need to happen, I hope that those are just and fair consequences to everyone involved, both to Ezra Miller and to the other people uh, to whom these uh, alleged incidents occurred. And then I want everybody to sort of progress on a way that's mutually beneficial uh, for all parties involved. But I don't think the answer is to just sort of ignore the issue altogether. So we had a good looking second trailer for The Flash. We had very positive public reactions to the first screening. Let's look at some other news that came out of CinemaCon just in the past couple days. And we'll go back to yesterday before everything that happened with The Flash. First of all, the head of Warner Discovery, David Zaslav, came out on stage to confirm that the company has really done a complete 180 since the merger. Zaslav said, quote, we do not believe in streaming movies. Movies and theaters perform substantially better when we bring them to HBO Max than any of the direct-to-streaming movies. We said it nine months ago, and we said it six months ago. We have never felt stronger about it, which is funny because they didn't say it 12 or 15 months ago because they had the exact opposite opinion. That was one of the craziest stories. When HBO Max announced that all of our movies for an entire year are going to be day and date on our streaming platform, I honestly didn't know how that was going to work out. I think in retrospect, it's going to be looked at as one of the biggest mistakes in modern media history, we are in a very, really double transitional period. We were already in the transitional streaming period, 
And then the pandemic hit, and that's also its own transitional period. But I think it's pretty obvious that the word on the street has gotten out that the direct-to-streaming only or even the day-and-date approach is not the right way to go. And here we have David Zosloff basically saying, like, not only are we not going to do that anymore, we're going to put 15, 20 movies a year in theaters. And, of course, the theater owners were very happy to hear that. There are also some presentations for various Warner films that are upcoming. One of them is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. There was a trailer that was played exclusively for The Room. Apparently, this is going to be more of a buddy comedy with Aquaman and Orm, a.k.a. Patrick Wilson and Jason Momoa. So that'll be coming out at the end of the year. Dune Part 2 came in and played some footage specifically for The Room. We'll likely see this stuff in the next few weeks as these movies start to ramp up their marketing campaigns. There was also confirmation that the entire film was shot in IMAX and will be projected in IMAX. So Dune, one of those movies that went day and date on HBO Max, now going bigger for its sequel in theaters. And then Barbie also played some footage, Greta Gerwig was there, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were there, and the movie was confirmed to be about Barbie leaving the Barbie world and going into the real world, Will Ferrell playing the CEO of Mattel. I still love that Barbie and Oppenheimer are sticking to their guns and releasing on the same day. That's oh, that's just one of the best box office matchups of all time. Going back to Monday, Sony kicked off things at CinemaCon with a presentation on some of their upcoming films. The first one was Napoleon, which is going to be an Apple TV Plus film, but it is being produced and released by Sony. And there was actually confirmation that the movie will not go straight to Apple TV Plus. It's going to have what was described as a robust theatrical release around Thanksgiving, and then we'll go to Apple TV Plus. So we see another streamer embracing the theatrical window first before going to streaming, something that Netflix has vowed they will not be doing. There was a short message from the cast of Ghostbusters Afterlife where the sequel was confirmed to be taking place in New York City. That movie releases on December 20th. There's a little bit of news around Craven the Hunter, which is starring Aaron Taylor Johnson. They showed a little footage and it was confirmed that this will be an R-rated film, the first Marvel Sony R-rated film. Apparently the footage has a lot of blood and a lot of cursing and everything you would expect from well, an R-rated film. That movie is scheduled to come out on October 6th in what people call the Venom Spot. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse showed 14 minutes of footage ahead of its opening on June 6th. That's another movie I'm very excited for. And then the one trailer that we did get to see that was released publicly was for The Equalizer 3. The whole team from the other Equalizer movies return as Denzel Washington fights the mafia in Italy. So it really does seem like after a couple years where people are saying like, oh, theaters are dead. We are going back in many ways to business as usual, or at least a much more hybridized model, but it's been around for a century for a reason. It's a proven financial model, even when you look at this competition. CinemaCon continues for the next two days. Today, Disney is making their presentation. You never know, we might have some more news. 20th Century Studios also folded into that presentation. And then Universal will be presenting their slate alongside Focus Features. And then on Thursday, to close out the convention, Paramount and Lionsgate will also be making their presentations. So there could very well still be news on the horizon. I may check back in later this week if there's big breaking news, although I've got a lot of other things going on this week, including a review, unless something happens, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. They're dropping the review embargo about a week before release, which is a much bigger window than we have been getting with a lot of these Marvel films, or really any film recently. So good sign, bad sign, we'll see. Stay tuned right here on the channel. I'm also working on something special tied to Star Trek Picard Season 3. There's some scheduling things that I haven't quite nailed down yet. I'd like to bring it to you this weekend. It may be a few days after that, but it's very exciting, and I can't wait to bring that to 
you. And of course, as always, I'm working on charts and streaming charts and all the other things that we do here on the channel. Thank you so much for watching this coverage of The Flash and CinemaCon. Before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Babbel. I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually getting married later this year, and Mara and I are already talking honeymoon destinations. Communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture, and that's where Babbel comes in. It's a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. I proactively started going back over my Spanish lessons, and it's like riding a bike. Babbel makes it so easy, it's almost like I never stopped studying. They're Expertly crafted lessons are built around real life so you can learn how to have practical conversations. And unlike other language learning apps that use AI for their lesson plans, Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, plus their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel, and right now you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash Dan. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash Dan for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Thanks to Babbel for sponsoring this video, and thank you for watching. I'll be back very soon with more movie news, reviews, box office, and more. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.